As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Joelle Goldman. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we had Ken Davenport of Mission Edge on. Joelle, what'd you think? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, hearing how they get involved with nonprofits and work with them on a lot of the business aspects that they tend to struggle with and help them achieve their mission. It was really interesting. Uh, and I also really enjoyed hearing about how millennials are getting involved in different ways and giving back and how it goes much further beyond just writing a check. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Yeah, the millennials, um, I, I hadn't quite realized it, but Ken is kind of immersed in that nonprofit area. And um, hearing about millennials' attitude towards giving and um, 
kind of giving back was very interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, let, let's. This is all about kind of the uh, changes in the nonprofit sector. So let's get into it. Rocketship is proudly supported by Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. Go to bench.co forward slash rocketship to get 20% off. 20% off your first six months today. Today. <laughs> Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocket ship. So Ken, welcome. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And tell us a bit about Mission Edge. Uh, sure. So Mission Edge is uh, based in San Diego. Uh, it's a it's a five hundred one c three technically, but we really have a very much a business mentality here. Our our um, our budget is primarily um, fee for service derived. In other words, uh, we we make probably ninety five percent of our operating budget on the fees that we charge, and we actually serve. Uh, other nonprofits, and the the concept really came about um, as I, I was a partner at Social Venture Partners, which is a venture philanthropy group, and a lot of business folks who want to give back to the community. And in that time at, at SVP, I started seeing that there were a lot of really great uh, nonprofits uh, and social socially focused organizations that. Uh, were long on passion and and really skills in terms of understanding what problems they were trying to solve, but were getting bogged down in the in the realities of of running a business. And every and every nonprofit organization is fundamentally a, a business with employees and financials and all these things that really were getting in the way of them delivering um, their product, which is their service to the community. So we started this nonprofit to provide um, support and back office support, really, and uh, in the areas of accounting and uh, HR and some IT to try to help these organizations um, operate more effectively as businesses. So why did you form as a nonprofit yourself? Yeah, good question. Um, the primary reason was that we knew that um, the the cost was never going to be fully covered. At least this was our, our initial theory was that the cost was never going to be fully covered by our fees and that we were always going to need some subsidy from the community to be able to serve a lot of these organizations that um, just simply can't afford, even on an outsource basis, can't afford uh, to, to hire a, a, a consultant or a firm. As it turns out, I think that um, is partially true. Um, I think we've been able, to actually, by getting really efficient at delivering service, we've been able to essentially break even every year. Um, and, but we wanted to be available to the community to do um, programmatic and other kinds of activities that would be charitable in nature, uh, so which def- which really differentiated us from a from a, a for profit business. The other thing I just want to mention real quickly, and this is part of the challenge of being a private sector person coming into the nonprofit area and realizing that nonprofits really there's kind of a um, a distrust and a divide between the for profit and nonprofit world. And nonprofits tend not to really want to work with for-profits. And so as I got into this, it became clear that 
uh, we ha- we were going to have a tough time uh, getting inside these organizations if they saw us as you know capitalists who were try- who were trying to profit at some level from their from the work we were doing. And it's an artificial conception, but unfortunately, it's it's very true. Um, now you guys are based in San Diego. Correct. And San Diego has a very vibrant um, nonprofit or phil- philanthropic community. Um, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it, it's kind of um, it, it, there's a great hub there for it? There is a great hub here for it, and it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think that you know San Diego is a great place to live. I think people tend to come here. Um, very much with lifestyle in mind. And I think that there's a real desire to do good and to give back. And so there's a proliferation of, of nonprofit organizations here. I think the last count that I saw was over 10,000 nonprofit organizations um, at work at some level in the community. Uh, and that's great. The, the challenge is that, um, you know, it, it, it leads to a very cluttered marketplace. And although San Diego is a community that has a lot of money here, there's not a huge corporate community here. And um, I think if you compare the levels of giving in San Diego to Orange County or Los Angeles or certainly the Silicon Valley, um, the amount of money here is per capita, I think, lower than other places. So you end up having a lot of folks who want to do good and want to give back. They start a nonprofit and then they struggle uh, to raise the necessary funds in order to operate it. But there's no shortage of people here who's, who want to give back and want to volunteer and, and kind of want to do things. So uh, it's a good community from that standpoint. I just think it's, it's a challenging community with which to, um, to start something and then to find the funding to support it. So before the call, we were talking a bit about millennials and how you're you're working more and more with them and and kind of their unique view on things. Um, right. tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, it, it's it's been very interesting, you know, um there's really a generational divide that's developing in the sector. Um I think millennials tend to look at philanthropy fundamentally different than their parents or their grandparents. Um I I don't haven't met a lot of 20 somethings or early 30 somethings who who think their idea of giving back is just writing a check and taking a tax deduction. They really want to get their hands dirty. They want to, you know, they want to participate. So we've seen uh, really a plethora of, of um, both volunteer um, organizations uh, cropping up that want to put um, millennials, millennials put, put, putting themselves to work um, either at the board level or fundamentally inside the organization at some capacity. And so we've, we've tried to sort of help facilitate that. One of the programs we were working on in conjunction with Qualcomm is a skilled uh, corporate volunteer program where um, groups of employees will get together and go into a nonprofit on a project basis and provide, whether it's a marketing plan or technology roadmap or a strategic plan, and they'll actually spend two to eight weeks inside the nonprofit um, you know, providing um, substantive output that will help the organization. And then a lot, what we've seen so far is that a lot of these volunteers end up staying on as volunteers in the, inside the organization or they'll join the board. But it's definitely a different um, mentality from kind of the old school, um, you know, nonprofit is charity and I'm going to write a check and I'm going to take a tax deduction. 
Why do you think that is? I think it's because, um, you know, I, I think there's a blurring, particularly in the millennial generation, between what you do on the on your day job and your aspirations for your life. And I think a lot of millennials um, want to do well and do good at the same time and don't see necessarily their need for this bifurcation between how they make a living and what they do to give back. And so one of the trends that we're seeing a lot of now is kind of the social enterprise movement where you have um, for-profit businesses that are very, very focused on social change. Uh, they will provide a service or a product to make money, but their whole orientation really is around using the proceeds for that to do something in the community or their, their service or product that they're selling uh, has a social benefit in and of itself. And I think that's the new wave of philanthropy, at least I hope it is, because I think as we've seen with a lot of nonprofits that sort of uh, lurch from, you know, grant to grant and payroll to payroll, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to see more sustainable models in the sector. And I think millennials are leading that charge. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices, construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. And you're talking about kind of like the Tom's model, right? Yeah, exactly. The Tom's model in social enterprise you know, is, is, is hard to define because there are many different forms of it, whether it's, you know, Mission Edge is a, is a nonprofit technically, but we consider ourselves a social enterprise because we derive most of our budget through revenue and through earned income. Um, and I, and there are lots of different ways of becoming a social enterprise, whether you're, you're like Tom's, you're selling things and then you're giving, uh, for every pair you sell, you give a pair away or whether you're taking some of your earned income and you're putting it back into the community or whether you are, um, fully structured around a social goal and you've just found a way to support yourself through, uh, adding value to the community, having people pay you for it. So tell us a bit about how it works for, um, for Mission Edge. When yes. you're, yeah, with the profit model and, and how do you allocate that income? Right. So, um, you know, there really isn't much difference between a for-profit and non-profit other than what you do with the proceeds, right? And so as long as, as income is not unrelated to the activity or charitable activity, um, nonprofits can and should make, uh, should be profitable at the end of the year. The question is, what do you do with that money? And so, um, we spend, we, we plow every dollar that we make, obviously, back into the organization. Um, and, um, we are starting to work now on the idea of, uh, of our own sort of philanthropy to the community. So, when we do run a surplus, one of the things that my staff has been talking about is what do you do with that surplus? And, and since we know that there are, you know, organizations, very good organizations, very good innovators and entrepreneurs in the community who, um, who need help but can't afford to pay for it, um, we like to, you know, our plan is ultimately to set aside some funding, uh, you know, kind of as, 
I don't want to use the word charity, but as as uh, funding that we could be used proactively in the community to help those organizations that cannot provide, don't have the budget to to pay for our services. Very interesting. So um, you're able to kind of balance that with um, it's basically like a free services that you're doing. Yeah, it would be a free services. And one of the programs that we have here is kind of a we have a startup incubator. Um, it's technically called fiscal sponsorship, but, but one of the things that we're really interested in is, is seeding innovation. So, um, startup nonprofits and entrepreneurs who have an idea can, can join Mission Edge, use our, uh, 501c3. So they, we basically, you know, pr- provide the sponsorship for them. They can, uh, take tax deductible donations under our EIN and our, our 501c3, and they can do their activities before they become an organization themselves. And so, um, in that program, you know, we often bring in organizations that are very, very early and, um, we help them get started. We provide all the infrastructure and support. We provide some mentoring, um, but we also allow them to kind of test the market to decide, you know, do I need to be a nonprofit? Should I be a, a benefit corp? Should I be a C corp and simply give proceeds back? And it's a chance to uh, delay the, um, the decision to become another nonprofit until they really understand what their business model is. Interesting. And, and, yeah. So, I mean, recently we saw Kickstarter announced that they're now a public benefit corporation right. what's the significance of that and and even maybe for i i don't in particularly know what's the difference uh between a public benefit and maybe a, a strict nonprofit? yeah you know it's it's um it's a little bit of a um so there's a little bit of marketing involved here in the sense that um i don't there isn't really much difference between um a for-profit and a benefit corporation other than the fact that you're signaling to the community that you are um, going to um, give some of your proceeds, and there's I think they have some some uh, criteria around it back to the community. So, um, and again, it speaks a little bit to what I said earlier around um, the difficulty of for profits working with nonprofits, mm-hmm. and I think that there are a lot of organizations that should should be for profits um, could very well. Uh, do the activities for the community that they're doing as a C corp, but want want to signal to the public that they're very mindful of the community. They have a social purpose, and be, by becoming a benefit corporation, it's kind of like saying, "Hey, you know, we're not a nonprofit, but we're not a pure for profit. We are really focused on giving back and doing good." But isn't there like pressure, like in a C corp? There's pressure from the board. You have a fiduciary duty to to generate profit for the board. Yep. Does the B corp relieve you of that? You know, I, I, I think it's a good question. Um, I, 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 it would be interesting to see, you know, I, I think the board obviously would have to be fully in line with the, you know, with this dual mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I think it's a tough line to, to hoe. You know, I, I, I do, you know, understand why, um, you know, for profit corporations struggle with, um, with with um, providing too many benefits and services to the community because it is contrary to uh, the fiduciary responsibility the board has to shareholders and of course the whole reason why the organization exists in the first place. Um, so I think it, it it takes kind of a, a particular kind of board and kind of culture. You know, Patagonia I think is a B Corp, um, and those are organizations that have a deep cultural 
orientation towards, um, you know, giving back in some way. And I think your board would have to join that fully knowing that that is part of the culture and the mission of the organization. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are some, I, I guess, kind of trends or, or, um, you know, evolutions in the nonprofit space that you're really excited about? Well, I'm, I'm excited about um, this thing called impact investing, uh, which is kind of, a, again, a, a sort of a newer investment model uh, where um, investors who, you know, normally would probably put their money into for-profit um, ventures or of kind of investment vehicles are now looking at this sort of double bottom line investing, the idea that you can make money but also give back. And, and maybe they're willing to make some compromises on the rate of return uh, for, you know, the fact that um, you are um, providing some social good. And so it's different than a straight sort of tax deductible donation. It's an investment that will have a return, but, but the return may be lower. And, I, and, and we're seeing more and more of, of that, certainly in the big, in the big investment um, uh, sort of environments like New York and San Francisco in particular. There's been some initiatives. There's, there's, there, it's an interesting trend, and I think it's a trend that will open up uh, investing uh, to uh, and capital to a lot of different kinds of organizations. Um, it will also help to speed this sort of social entrepreneurship movement because um, those kinds of impact investing vehicles are suited for uh, B Corps or, or for-profit organizations that are also giving back. Very cool. Um, and is that something, is, is there any kind of stipulation that you need? Like, um, you know, do you have to be a, a Reg, uh, I don't know, a, a registered investor or anything like that to be able to participate in something like that? I don't think so. Um, again, it's a very kind of new field. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, again, it's a little bit like, um, you know, an angel investor, you know, who obviously doesn't have to be licensed to put money into a for-profit startup. I mean, there's no reason why a, an angel investor can't be a impact investor also. Mm. Uh, so it just it really depends on on kind of having the the target companies to invest in, and I think that that's why I think this this B this B Corp or Benefit Corp concept is going to be kind of interesting because that's a natural target for uh, for an impact investing kind of vehicle. What are some ways that um, kind of for profit companies? Can who are who are kind of just starting out, kind of uh, embed uh, this into their culture um, if they want to. What's a good way for them to get started? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, a, it's a good question. Of course, San Diego is a market with um, with a lot of small to mid sized companies, a lot of startup companies. It's not a, it's not a this is not a Fortune fifty sort of hub here. So we've we've been having conversations with um, young um, small organizations, maybe mid, small to mid market organizations, about how to empower their employees and how to do to do community giving. And whereas a company like Qualcomm or Semper Energy has a pretty robust um, you know community service organization inside their company and they they give away money um and a lot of times at the at employees behest you know on an annual basis a lot of smaller companies don't have that so that's one of the reasons why this mission match our skilled corporate volunteer program 
um, kind of came about, which is a way for uh, employee, employers to start engaging their employees in community service, getting them out to sort of understand what the needs of the community are as a first step, and then kind of creating their own um, sort of vehicle for giving back, whether that's time or talent or treasure. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's a real trend here, and, and I do think that studies have shown, and this is one of the things that's been kind of interesting for us to see, is that studies have shown that um, it's more than just charity for companies to get their employees, particularly their younger employees, involved in, in, uh, in the community. And, and you know, um, studies have shown now that, um, that retention, job retention, job satisfaction and retention rates have climbed in organizations that have active sort of community-facing programs where their employees can um, get out of the office and give back to the community at the same time that they have a decent paying job. And what kind of ways are you seeing, like let's take San Diego, um, what ways are companies giving back even at a small scale? Um, yeah, so they, um, San Diego has been, been kind of great for um, for kind of volunteer days and it, partly it's because the weather here is good. Um, but you see a lot of um, a lot of cleanup days, a lot of activities in the kind of the, in the inner city here, where um, where companies are um, you know, getting their employees together and going up and and cleaning things up and providing um, you know access to uh, better healthcare and other kinds of activities depending on what what the company does you know on a day to day basis. Um, so that that's been really interesting to see, and, and uh, Mission Edge actually sponsors uh, in our incubation program uh, an organization called Hands On San Diego, which helps to facilitate those sort of volunteer days. Um, but uh, you know, but we're excited about some of the other you know things that are happening more on the mentoring and um, kind of give back side, where uh, organizations are. Um, are putting their people to work in a, in more substantive ways, so not just sort of picking up trash, but actually um, taking some of their talent and um, and helping solve you know problems in the community. Interesting, like at a, a city level or at kind of like a like a education level. Yeah, education um, you know is is a big one, and one of the uh, again one of the other organizations that we've helped to launch is called um, educate the Education Synergy Alliance. Uh, and it really is around this concept of link learning. Um, but um, one of the one of the tasks that they've had is to bring in corporate uh, corporate community experts in education and actually link them to um, schools in San Diego uh, in specific uh, topic areas. Um, and so, um, so you see a lot of that in, in, in education. We're seeing more of it in in health and wellness. Um, and other kinds of activities where, um, you know, they're able to sort of teach people uh, to get themselves out of the situation that they're in as opposed to simply just writing a check. Are, are there any organizations that you know of where um, you can be matched with uh, whatever your professional skill set is with a, an organization that could use your, your time and your help? Yeah, so um, there are a couple of national organizations. Um, one is called the Taproot Foundation. The other, another is called Catch a Fire. Um, Catch a Fire, I think, is 
based in New York. And these are similar programs to what we're doing here in San Diego uh, on a larger scale. So um, if you have a talent for marketing and you want to give back and you have a specific passion for animals, um, you can you can potentially be matched uh, with a volunteer, skilled volunteer opportunity to do a marketing plan or whatever remotely um, for, the, for an organization in an area that you're really passionate about. Um, so <clears throat> these are activities that I think are, are, are or uh, businesses that, I, that have popped up that I think are starting to uh, help this sort of demand for um, people to get more engaged. What we're doing here is a little bit different um, because what I, th- I think one of the challenges is, particularly for smaller nonprofits, um, a lot of times they don't know what to do with the volunteer, and they, they, you know, a volunteer will show up, and they're not really sure how to put that volunteer to work with a, you know, with maximum effectiveness. And so, what we're trying to do, given our client base here, is actually help make the match, but also help facilitate the work that's actually being done, so that it's a work, it's work that is gratifying to the volunteer, but also has val- value to the nonprofit organization. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so can you tell everyone where they can keep up with you and Mission Edge online? Yeah, sure. Um, our website is uh, missionedge.org, and um, you can find out everything you need to know about us there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we'd love to hear from anybody. I'd love to hear feedback from anybody if they have uh, ideas that might be of interest. We're always looking for um, new kernels of, uh, of opportunity to kind of give back to the sector. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ken. This was really great. Thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. Because